Hello, my friends. Skip here for the next episode of Finding Meaning. Uh, 11.23 a.m. Sort of a busy week as it is Christmas week. We are preparing to... uh, to celebrate busy, busy times, good times. Uh, I know Christmas is not easy for everyone. I do not always have fond memories of such, uh, but um, you know, I try to create a new reality for myself and for my children. Uh, I want to begin today by asking you a question: Who are you really? Let me say that again. That buzzer may have been the dryer. I'm being domestic at the same time. I'm being philosophical. The two can go together. (laughs) Uh, Who are you? Who are you really? Uh, And I think that's a, that's a probably the most profound question we can ask and we can answer because I think if we answer that in in a certain way, that then the other philosophical questions of life become more clear. You know, one could say, what's the meaning of life? Or uh, what is God? You know, those are big questions. They're important questions. But I think that those questions are a subset, at best, of the question of who you really are. Because it isn't the discovery of who you really are that you will find the answer uh, to some of these questions. Uh, I also want to give you a heads up here with the, with the noise in the background. Uh, the mailman is delivering, and if you have listened to any of the podcasts, uh, my dog does not like the mailman. <laughs> so if you hear a dog go on a rampage, uh, bear with me. I'll move to the other room here. So, you know, who are you, really? And I, I think that's, a, that's an incredibly important question. It may be the most important question, and it is a very difficult question. Because, because, when we answer it, most of the time, including me, everybody, most of the time, well, probably all of the time, we begin to answer that question from the perspective of not knowing ourselves. We don't know ourselves. We don't know who we truly are. We've not been trained. Uh, We've not been shown. We've not been exposed to who we really are. And so, Really, what lies at the core of finding meaning, the, the podcast, the, the Facebook uh, page, uh, the, the retreats that I will start giving at some point, uh, the, the learning that I'm doing, you know, what lies at the core of all this is the answer to that question. Uh, I can't tell you who you are in a specific way. That would be a gross misuse of any sort of of uh, knowledge or any sort of uh, spiritual understanding that I may have. I can tell you, though, in a general way, where we might find the answer. And let's start 
with what we are not, who we are not. We are really, folks, not what the world has told us we are. Uh, that has been the greatest. I can point to maybe three or four revelations, three or four inspirations in my life that were completely transformative. And I will tell you that is one of them. We are not what the world has told us that we are. Uh, we are not what our family has told us who we are. We are not those things. Those things are constructs, thoughts, ideas, concepts uh, put upon us by uh, our family structure, by our political structures, by our religious structures, by the false reality that we've created. We are not those things. And what I mean by that is um, we're not what we're told we are. Let me give you an example. Uh, we have developed a psychology of family systems. There's some interesting stuff in family systems that I think is worth, worth looking at. Um, I have always told people I'm the middle child. Uh, and people will go, oh, no, right? Oh, you're the middle child. No wonder. You must have been in such trouble. Blah, 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 blah. Sort of, sort of skimming along the top of this kind of family systems thinking. Uh, and because that's what I have been told to, to, to be, that's what I have been programmed to be by those comments, uh, I own that in a deep way, too deep, because it's, it's a concept. Do you understand what I'm saying? That the fact that the middle child is somehow troubled is a concept. Now, you may be going, oh God, I know all kinds, Skip, I know all kinds of middle children that are just troubled. Yes, because we have put that concept on them, right? Uh, we implant thought, and it takes root. Uh, one, of my, one of my most favorite movies is a movie called Inception. It's sort of a, a, a fantasy kind of movie where... Uh, there's a group of thieves that are able to go into people's dreams and, and take secrets. And one of the thieves is hired to play by Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a great movie. came out in 2010, Inception, to not steal something but plant an idea in someone's mind. Now, they make a big deal of this. They go into this lucid dreaming place, and it's, it's pretty fanciful. Um, pretty science fiction-y, a lot of fun to watch. I honestly don't think it's that hard <laughs> to plant an idea in someone's head. I, I think we practice inception. That's what they call it when they plan, plant an idea. Inception. Uh, I think we do that all the time. Someone planted in my brain that middle children are trouble, and I lived that out. Uh... And they have the theories to prove it. However, the theories themselves are based in an inception, in, in, a, in a concept being implanted into the reality. It's not, not by some sinister being. I mean, the people who came up with family systems um, 
the best of intentions. And as I said, there's good stuff to learn in family systems theory, but you have to understand that that concept, like so much of our psychology, comes from false reality thinking. It comes from a part of something that can't correct itself because it itself is incorrect. And boy, if you're a, if you're a counselor or a psychologist, you're probably going, oh my goodness. But I, I, I think I'm convinced this is true. You know, we have been taught that things have to be a certain way because we don't know how to understand reality in any other way. So we, we conceptualize something, we plant it in the world, it takes root in people's consciousness, and it becomes reality. That's my explanation of what a false reality really is. Now, we could extrapolate that out to all sorts of things. Let's say you are an accountant, and you love your accounting job so dearly that you have identified yourself with being an accountant at the very marrow of your, of your bones. No jokes here, folks, just an example. And when you are introduced, when you introduce yourself to other people, you introduce yourself as, you know, my name is XYZ, I'm an accountant. So you have identified with this thing external to you. You have hooked onto, to borrow that uh, Don Miguel Ruiz term again, you have let something hook you. And plant a concept in you that has become reality. Uh, let me give you another example. And this was a hard example for me. And I by no means uh, want anyone to take this the wrong way. Uh, but, you know, for, I was told I was a Christian from birth. Uh, I lived out of that place to whatever degree as a child. I was able. Um, I practiced that faith as an adult. I became a professional Christian. Uh, and what I learned is that those concepts of Christianity were just concepts. They were ideas that someone had in the past. They implanted those ideas into people. Those ideas took root. Those conceptual ideas took root in human beings, and they manifested themselves in our world. I am contesting those ideas at this point. I do believe Jesus had tremendous things about human transformation and love to say. But the institution that came out of that concept is not real. It has no substance in reality. It comes from human conceptual thinking. Now, hopefully you're saying, well, Skip, what about the concept you're implanting? Great question. Important question. And here is where we can understand who we really are and what is real. When we do not have to judge others to validate our concept, there is a reality to that concept. There's a reality to what we're thinking. When we do not have to compare ourselves, juxtapose ourselves, when we do not have to employ dualism into 
an idea. That idea has to some degree the truth. Uh, Let me give you a silly example. Let's say that uh, you are a fan of a sporting team and there's a great rivalry with the, fan, with the fans of another sporting team. And you identify, you know, you, you buy the gear. You, you live out of this, uh, maybe you went to that school or something, and you live out of this passion for this team. Uh, and you begin to view the others as enemies. You have entered into false reality. When you can say, I love my team, but I'm good with you all winning also. When everyone wins, it's a good thing. I live in the state of Iowa. We have two opposing college teams. And, you know, people get really adamant and almost angry. Well, they do get angry at the other side. And if someone, when someone says, well, I think it's good when both win, that's an example of what I'm talking about. That's non-dualistic. And so I can say to you, uh, if you are a person of, of a church-going person and it helps you, that's fine, man. That's none of my business. I'm not here to put down anything. Uh, if you are an atheist and listening, that's fine. I, I got nothing to prove. I've got no agenda here other than to share my thoughts. It is when we operate out of to whatever degree we can, a sense of non-dualism, that is what makes it more true. When we don't have to employ fear and judgment, um, then we are sharing truth. And I don't think truth, I (laughs) I don't think truth has to embed itself in your brain. It is what it is. It doesn't have to hook you like a concept. And so, you know, for me, the idea that reality is is an illusion comes from my experience. It comes from every religious tradition I have studied as a scholar. It comes from every person I have met that has shown me grace. That they may practice a religion, but their kindness is really what's important. So I, I, I don't want to ramble. I don't want to convolute things. The answer to the question is who we really are, who, who we should be, is people of, of non-judgmental kindness, love, inclusion, diversity, loving, truth-filled people. And when we do that, we are free from, we are free from the restraint, the hatred of being told who we are by false concept. And so you have to answer who you are individually. But I think in a meta sort of way, what we have to answer, what we have to move towards, what we have to strive towards as people is that when someone says, who are you? We're we're at least able to think to ourselves, I'm love. I am kindness. I am a person who will help you with proper boundaries. I am a person who will show grace. 
I am a person who will show mercy and compassion. That's who I am. Who I am beyond the middle child, beyond being told I'm an addict or a or a overeater or a worrier or a you know neurotic or whatever it is people try to pin on people. Who I really am at the core beyond that false stuff is love. There you have it, my friends. I hope it's helpful. Just some more thoughts. Take what you need. Leave the rest. Um, I leave you in hope and in grace and in truth. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.